1: We're reacting to DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee, and then we play the fun game of best ball roster construction Would You Rather on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at RotoViz.com, and we're your hosts on this fantastic flagship show. Dave, this is show number 293 since we partnered up, buddy. We're going to have to start planning our 300th show extravaganza, which is crazy. Yeah, it is. We've only been doing this together like for 27 months or something.
2: Yeah, it's wild. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know the, the other crazy thing is I think we're gonna get to that three hundred, three hundredth episode fairly quickly, so we're gonna have to start planning soon.
1: Yeah, I actually asked Calm Kelly to help us plan something because mm. uh, he he's done a couple of the milestone celebrations for. Uh, he and Sean show, and I think he actually did something for you and Friedman before, uh, the show changed just some promotion stuff. So, um, calm, if you're listening to this, I emailed you, buddy. Uh, we need some help planning a, a 300th, uh, Curtis and Dave show extravaganza. Um, but we've got a a great show in store. We're going to I guess, lament slash celebrate different elements of Deandre Hopkins landing in Tennessee, Uh, in the first few minutes of the show here. But then we're going to play a really fun and torturous game called Best Ball Roster Roster Construction Uh, Would You Rather, in, in which Dave and I will pose difficult scenarios to ourselves. For example, would you rather select zero QBs in the first 15 rounds or zero tight ends in the first 15 rounds of your next best ball draft? And then we're going to answer the question, see if we answer correctly from a playoff semifinal and finals advance rate perspective in the underdog best ball roster construction explorer and then make fun of each other uh, <laughs> <we're wrong>. so <laughs> it's gonna be highly enjoyable i think you'll enjoy playing along too where we do not know the answers to these questions um so you'll be finding out in real time along with us
2: all right uh let's start off and actually you know what i'm gonna go back and uh it's been a while since I've Dave's used fire on the uh on the sound effects board tonight. Yeah, no, not only did I hit the ones that I want, I actually picked uh got to use when we haven't used in a while. And that is the... I will send Mrs. Cabin a <laughs> heads up that Dave's <laughs> on his game. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rare. So DeAndre Hopkins will be. Playing with Tennessee, I think a lot of people out there reacted thinking that it was an odd spot for him to to ultimately choose. Nonetheless, though, there are some fantasy implications of it. We're going to try to make some quick sense here of just how large those ramifications are. Just to give a little bit of perspective before we start. DeAndre Hopkins last year in Arizona did not start playing until week seven. In four of his first five games, he was a wide receiver one, uh, ended up finishing with those four games as his only wide receiver one performances, but still went 44% of the time as a wide receiver one, was a wide receiver two in 33% of games. And on a per game basis, Curtis actually finished as the wide receiver nine in PPR per game, also misses the first six weeks and still finishes as the wide receiver 44 in PPR. So DeAndre Hopkins was still a factor last year. This year, we have him transitioning into a very different offense than the one that he was playing in prior. And the key questions here are, because I don't think this is going to make any change really to how you would view the running game there. It's going to be, does this impact Ryan Tannehill? As a result of that, Does this impact the quarterback situation uh, in Tennessee to mean that we're really going to be looking now at a full season of Tannehill? Uh, And then what's this mean for DeAndre Hopkins? And does this really negatively impact Traylon Burks? So if we explore the baseline projection that I had for Tennessee before we account for DeAndre Hopkins moving into the team, I had them with a fairly even split Of rushing attempts to uh, passing attempts. If you look at the team last year, they were 83 plays behind league average. Uh, My assumptions for this year had them about 50 plays behind league average. Um, And actually last year, they only had 475 passing attempts. It should probably be noted though, back in 2021, uh, when they had AJ Brown, in that year, they did have 557 passing attempts. I don't think that we see things get up to that level this year, but maybe it's fair to add in an extra 15 or so passing attempts. That gives us a total of 515 passing attempts to work around the team. Now, I only had Traylon Burks with a target share of 13% um, in my baseline projection for Tennessee first. The wide receivers behind him... Um as a result of that there's a very large amount of target share to be acquired. As a result, it's fairly easy for me to work in something where you could leave Traylon around 22 or 23, put DeAndre Hopkins in for 26% of the share. The wide receiver three on the team could stay around like a 9% share. And remember, you're looking at guys like Westbrook Keeney, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore. These aren't guys that we would expect to get very large shares. And um, the the other tight ends on the team, uh, other than Chig, probably come down a couple percentage points. And it's easy to remove down to a case here, Curtis, where you could have Hopkins Maybe more realistically, around twenty-five in Traylon Burks at twenty-two. So I think, in my mind, from the perspective of Traylon, if Traylon really is as talented or as good of a receiver as we think we, he could be, uh, or at the level of a player that we think is going to be impactful from fantasy, I don't think the addition really factors in very much for him. The reason being, we can accommodate that target share that I mentioned. I did not have a tremendous amount of touchdowns for him heading into the year. In fact, I only had five receiving touchdowns. So it's not like he had some elevated total that when a player like Hopkins arrives, some of those touchdowns would have to shift his way. Uh, You obviously can make the case that this could open up some things for him. Uh, prevent defenses from focusing solely on him, which seemed like something that could have happened this year uh, if he were the only real wide receiver of consequence in Tennessee. So I think at the ADP that you're seeing Hopkins at, this is actually, uh, you know, perfectly fine, or excuse me, that you're seeing Burks at, this is perfectly fine and works out well for managers um, that are interested in getting Burks. And I think. Um, though we will probably see his ADP scale back some, I still think where you might have been drafting him on underdog or FFPC, for example, are okay spots. Now Hopkins, where does he finish this year? I think that his ceiling is going to be lower than we would have been expecting the last couple of seasons. I think though drafters had already been correcting for this in their minds. And in the baseline projection uh, that we had, Prior, just to just kind of level set here, we had Trelon Burks coming in at wide receiver 40. Um, I have not made all of the tweaks and the final adjustments yet, but I think that you probably see Hopkins coming in somewhere in the mid wide receiver three type of mix. But I will have to check back in on that um, to really firm things up assuming though um that he does get a share of around 25 percent and you kind of roll forward some of his his historical rates you're probably looking at him scoring somewhere around uh, let me just do a quick calculation here somewhere maybe in the ballpark of like 215 to 200. And 30 to 35 points, which actually gets him closer to uh low end wide receiver three range. So somewhere maybe between like wide receiver 25 to 29, that would be kind of my initial um, reaction without digging into this too much. So if you're looking to draft Hopkins, now that this move has been made, I think uh, if you start Seeing him going not as a wide receiver, too, things might be getting a little overzealous for me. The second he hits that like 24, 25, 26 range, that's when I become pretty interested in him overall. For Tannehill, I don't think that the uptick in volume shifts things tremendously. However, what is being able to be done with that volume does move up some. The problem is, though, Curtis, that the expectation for Tannehill. In the confines of this offense, now that he's a little bit older, there's a little bit less of a chance of him picking up um, some extra production with his legs limited by the overall play volume isn't that great. So even with the addition of Hopkins in there and thinking that even if you give Burks a little bit of a bump, maybe as a result of the presence of Hopkins, I still don't think that Tannehill reaches the situation where you're looking at him anywhere outside of a super flex league.
1: That was robust. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to best um, best respond. I think the comments on the on the offense overall um, are I mostly agree with, yep. but I want to expand a little bit using the the game splits app here. So um, the first thing that I will say, and this is just kind of reverse engineering what the passing offense can do with Tannehill when he actually has a reasonable weapon. Um, he and AJ Brown arrived in Tennessee the same year, 2019. Yeah, um, and so Tannehill got AJ Brown along with you know elite Derrick Henry for three years, and you know then last year um, did not have access, uh, you know to to AJ Brown, and we also know that he didn't have access to Derrick Henry um, in uh, for about half of the season in 2021, and so we can start to to look at, you know, what affected him more. Um, When you look at the Game Splits app and you just go Ryan Tannehill with and without A.J. Brown since 2019, um, we've got 40 games in split with A.J.B. and 17 games out of split. There's a five-fancy point-per-game difference.
2: Mm.
1: Um, And, you know, I'm not saying that DeAndre Hopkins is A.J. Brown um, at this point, but I think the combination of you know, an ascending Traylon Burks plus DeAndre Hopkins might approximate the effectiveness of, you know, the good years that we saw of AJ Brown and Corey Davis in combination. And so, you know, Tannehill averaged almost 22 fantasy points per game across a 40 game split when AJB was there, you know, he, he paced for 31 passing touchdowns per season in those 40 games. I mean, that's a large sample. And so, um, I don't think in a, a straight redraft situation uh that I would be necessarily taking Tano yet. I do agree with your your comment there, but man, I think in best ball, you know, he already had some kind of punter's appeal um on a lot of the rosters where I had Traylon Burks just as like a you know, hey, it's a whatever QB three on a roster that needed one.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I mean I the Titans probably shouldn't be doing what they're doing right I mean they're but they're do, they are doing what they're doing and the AFC South is potentially still winnable for them I mean the Jags are on the come but you know the Titans do have you know that veteran presence and if they can just get you know one or two more um, seasons out of tan hill before they have to hand the ball to an inexperienced you know Will Levis you know while they still have Derrick Henry et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's still something to be said for that. Um, you know, they they drastically underperformed last year, but maybe they can regain some of that former uh, shine that they had a couple of seasons ago. So, I mean, it it's tough. I think I am going to be placing some bets on on Tannehill uh, moving forward. When I pair him, probably still just with either Chig or Traylon. I don't know how much DeAndre Hopkins I actually want here. Right. Because um, I, you know, I, I would still rather probably bet on what I would get out of a Traylon Burks, you know, b- huge step forward versus, you know, DeAndre Hopkins basically just returning value, especially if I'm going to spend a fourth rounder versus, you know, Traylon. I think he'll go back down into the, the seventh round like he was in May uh, after this news where he is, he was mm-hmm. kind of really up early, early in the sixth uh, in recent weeks. So, Um, yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack here, healthy Derrick Henry is still probably going to be the key to all of it. But, you know, if you extrapolate, you know, what he's done over the past couple of seasons, I mean, he's been trending at or above 350 touches per year since 2019. And I mean, even in the year where he missed all the games in 2021 with the foot injury, you know, he had 219 rushing attempts through eight games and another 20 targets to go with it. So he's basically held up at Four and a half yards of carry and 20, 20 carries per game for four straight years now, which is just really insane and remarkable. So, um, I don't know if this is the outcome that anyone really wanted for Hopkins uh, or maybe even for Tennessee. Um, but now that the dust has settled here, you know we can start to figure out you know where where to to slot all these guys in. For for Traylon, he'd been going at wide receiver thirty six. Which was right after Mike Evans and right before Jordan Addison. I mean, in a low volume passing offense, is the number two slotted in. I mean, I think you can start pushing him anywhere from, you know, he probably belongs in like after Gabe Davis now, because Gabe Davis is in a similar situation where he's, you know, an unproven upside guy behind an established veteran. But we know the Bills are going to pass far more than the Titans. So he should probably go after Gabe Davis. I mean, you're talking like, you know, do you take him before Cortland Sutton? Do you take him before Brandon Cooks? Do you take him before Elijah Moore? I mean, I think those are probably more the players, you know, you're pushing him down another round or two um, here in this situation. And then for Hopkins, ADP-wise, he was going wide receiver 25 right after Mike Williams, right before DJ Moore. Uh, and Christian Kirk, I'm not so sure that he really needs to move too much. I mean, I yeah. think that that feels fine, uh, provided that you think that he is for sure they're going to be the alpha in Tennessee.
2: Yeah. So I think that encapsulates the um, the situation there and the points that we wanted to hit. I am very excited now, Curtis, about this little game that we're going to play here. So that's supposed to be a lightning round sound effect, but we're actually not going to try to make our way through this quickly.
1: (laughs) I feel, I definitely feel like it was not. Um, (laughs) Okay. This is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to change the minimum observations uh, field, I think. For uh, sure. And the underdog best ball roster construction explorer. So um, we talked a little bit last week about the RCE and the power that it has, uh, both for underdog uh, and for FFPC leagues. And I mean, th- this tool really is just so cool. You can create all different types of filters by, you know, the, the number of each position that you take uh, in each draft. You can even go round by round settings. So, for example, what happens if I take my tight end two before the fifth round? I can get advance rates, win rates, etc. For you know, either format. There, it's just really a powerful tool, and you know, it, I think it's very helpful when you're in slow drafts, especially. And you find yourself in those mid single digit rounds trying to figure out, is there a way to solve this roster? I was planning on this stack or this guy being here. What direction should I go? Instead of just phoning it in and going through the motions, trying to come up with a creative roster construction that has worked for people in the past. you know, It's just it's really fun. So I wanted to put Dave and I's guts to the test here um, just a little bit. Using this tool, and I created a couple different "Would You Rather" scenarios that we're going to have to answer, and then we will see see <laughs> how they come out. So, Dave, I'm, I'm going to pose the first one. I'll let you answer first, and I'll answer second. But I'm not going to um, put anything into the uh, 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 into the tool until we've answered. So, okay, let, let's go with an underdog. We'll use underdog for this, but we could do it for F- FPC as well. Would you rather start QB, QB, QB? Or tight end, tight end, tight end in an underdog best ball draft? What do you think would yield more success over? And I'll use a sample of the last two seasons.
2: Mm. Um, that one is very tricky. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm assuming start, it's tight end. You start thinking end. about the people.
1: right? You start thinking I, about, start what,
2: thinking what, about right? the people. I, I am inclined to say it would be tight end.
1: Tight end. I think I'm going to say tight end as well. Uh, I feel like you'd really like you'd really be hunting for wh- where would those extra points really be coming from at yeah. quarterback uh, at some point. So, okay. So let's answer that. And then of the two, let's also answer which construction do you think was used more? Cause, cause these are, <laughs> these have definitely occurred.
2: I, I think I'm thinking that the tight end one would have been used more.
1: I, I'm going to say that I'm going to say the quarterback one because we've all been in those rooms where I did think you know, about that yep. jerk that takes like, you know, I've seen it. I've seen enough people post on Twitter about somebody yep. just reigning like six quarter. I, it's probably not right, but I, that's I, I kind of just want it to be right. So, OK, OK, so I'm going to I'm going to put this stuff in here um, and I'll I'll share my screen here with Dave so we can also react to the to the results here. Um, let's first research three QBs by the end of the third round and see what the results were. Um, Okay, Dave. So in the past two seasons, if you take three QBs by the end of round three, we saw 128 teams. uh, Yeah, it's not bad. uh, On underdog. 19 of those teams stopped with those three QBs. But, like, 80%, I mean, almost 90% of those teams, they didn't quit. (laughs) They didn't quit after taking three QBs in the first three rounds. There were 74 instances where we saw four QBs selected and 27 five QBs selected, even after investing uh, in those three early QBs. Dave, the playoff advance rate for these squads in 128 samples is 3.1%. So just 3.1% of these teams made the playoffs – Uh, astonishingly 5.2 for 5.26% of the teams made the semifinals, which is actually an above expectation rate,
0: um,
1: (laughs) looks to be an anomaly, um, with a couple of the teams that, uh, I guess one of those, uh, 19 teams that stopped at three QBs made the semifinals, 0% of these 128 teams have made the finals. Um, So let's okay. So, so we have a 3.1% playoff advance rate and a 0% finals rate and 128 squads. Let's change it over to tight end. We both said tight end would have a better win rate. And you said there would be more examples of tight end teams. So we're looking for 128
2: and (laughs) 3.1%. That was before I saw how many people continued on to five.
1: Okay, Hold on. Here we go. Yep. Wow. So just 39 teams. Uh, in the past two seasons, um, drafted with three straight tight ends. Wow. Uh, on underdog, that's that's actually a surprisingly low. And Dave, we were both wrong. Yeah. On the win rate, only 2.6% of these teams made the playoffs. So I guess that goes to, sh- I mean, I, so, I think a lot of these teams might have been Pitts teams that yep. totally whiffed. Yeah. You know, they started like Kelsey, Pitts, Kittle, or something like that last year, probably would have yep. been the start. And at least if you took QB, you were probably on, you know, with, like, because, you know, QB didn't really get steamed up until this year. Yeah. So those could have been teams where it was like, you know, I don't know, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow or something like that. You know, I'm trying to think. We wouldn't have seen Hurts there probably yet. Um, Trying to think of who that third QB, you know, would have been in those past two seasons. But, man, that's interesting. I it, You know, we – I thought we had that one nailed and we were not right at all.
2: So the interesting thing was the first place I had gone when thinking about that was from what I had been doing, um, like in the spring running simulations and whatnot and looking at different things. It had become pretty apparent that um, you do get, oftentimes a pretty significant boost in comparison to what you might expect when you have early quarterbacks but the piece that I was thinking there was that you were going to end up with Travis Kelsey being such a boost uh, and him you know being a part of all those yeah. teams that we were going to see him sustain it thinking that some of these Andrews and Kelsey teams which clearly have to be in there would have been able to uh, pull it together but that's why the, that's why this is actually a really fun exercise <laughs>
1: All right. So, uh, I mean, I think we did okay. I, I got the number of QB teams correct. Correct. And then we both missed on the – so I, I guess I'm ahead one to nothing, Dave. Yes, but yes you are. But neither one of us is doing particularly well. Yep. Um, okay, so the next question is – so let's stay on QB and tight end before we go with, our, I think, what's going to be a really fun and difficult running back wide receiver conundrum. Um, but let's go to the other extreme. So we went QB or tight end heavy. Let's go with just a total punt on the position now. So would you rather select zero quarterbacks in the first 15 rounds or zero tight ends in the first 15 rounds?
2: I'd rather
1: would have, which would have had a better win rate and which do you think was done? more?
2: I think that you want to have tight ends in the first 15 rounds in comparison. So I'd rather, I'd rather go without drafting a quarterback through the first 15. Yeah, I'm thinking
1: through this. Um, I think it's, I think it has been, I mean, we talk about the window QB, you know, we're talking outside of the window now. Um, and we've got the whole, you know, for, for a decade plus we had late round QB, that's more in a redraft streaming situation. We're talking best ball drafts. You don't get to, you do kind of get to stream, but only from within. Yes, I'm, I am. Um, (laughs) I'm stalling here a little bit, but I'm just thinking out loud and processing.
2: So So there's also the idea of, um, that given some of what we saw with the early players, like maybe it does matter for quarterback. But I guess what I'm thinking is you reach a point with tight ends where those tight ends are sc- scoring so few points, uh, whereas the quarterbacks that are coming later are still getting enough that if you, by punting that, you're still able to support what the rest of the players have done.
1: You know, but I also think that tight end just sucks after a certain point.
2: That is true. That is true. So
1: just just for the sake of playing radio, I'm going to say... I would rather take zero tight ends in the first 15 rounds. Yeah, yeah, So let's let's, let's take opposite sides. And then I'm going to also say that that is the version of draft that occurred more frequently. I'm actually
2: going to flip and say that we had seen research in the past that you could wait till the very end. Oh, actually, this should probably inform my decision. I had seen a lot of research and i don't know if it lines up now but at least heading into last year that you could just wait to the end of the draft grab three tight ends and you ended up pretty much with the same success rate as if you'd gone earlier so i'm actually now realizing that i'm wrong but i'm gonna say that you saw more people do that with their teams hold off all on right the tight end
1: all right so we're, we're answering the same way then we're gonna say we're gonna say punt tight end not punt quarterback yeah okay So, so there's some good news here, um, in terms of playoff advance rate, not much good news, uh, beyond that, but I think that's probably to be expected when you are talking about the extreme structures, right? So, uh, actually a 14.1% advance rate when you wait until round 16 to select your first tight end and underdog, it if you grab
2: three of them, I can't really make that on the screen, but it looks decent
1: yeah as long as you then still select 3 so i'm going to wait till around 16 and i'm going to take 6 i'm going to take a tight end in 16 17 and 18 in the draft there's actually a 19.6% playoff advance rate which mm-hmm. is above ac- expectation and dave 5781 squads use this strategy over the past 2 years so this you know i'm i'm guessing i'm going to be right on this one yep um in terms of the 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 volume but hey there is something that goes to show you know, if you get completely boxed out of tight end in one of your drafts, you know, I, I you know, across a almost a fourteen hundred team sample, the squads that then went tight end, tight end, tight end to in the draft uh, that made the playoffs at, at a rate above expectation, one point five four percent of those teams did make the semifinals uh, as well. Zero percent have advanced to the finals, but yeah, you can still and make actually, a little bit of money, yeah. in the best ball mania format
2: this way. This makes sense because now that I actually remember that this was a construction I actually used a lot last year, Um, because like I said, it it actually had been a lot of things pointing to it. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see that that playoff. The the really interesting, the most interesting piece here, though, Curtis, I think too, is when you look at the the differences sometimes in the percentage teams going to the playoffs but versus making the finals. I always find that super interesting as well. Okay, well, Dave, quarterback. You're going to be
1: happy. You're going to be happy that you flipped your answer here. Yep. Um, so, so waiting until after round 15 to take your QB one uh, has been an atrocious strategy. However, there is going to be one checkbox here that it, where where it's outperformed. Um, you know that 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 tight end extreme that we talked about. So first off, only 2,179 teams drafted in this manner um, over the past two seasons. That is less than half of the the tight end uh, similar versions here. Only nine point six percent of these uh, QB times, uh, or I guess QB after around fifteen teams made the playoffs for the last three years. Dave, we had six hundred ninety nine teams just take one quarterback. So like they literally punted. They only took a quarterback because I think they have to <laughs> in the format. Yep, uh, two two instances of or eight hundred fifty six interest and. Uh, in, uh, Instances of two quarterback teams and 624 of three quarterback teams. All of them underperformed versus playoff advance rate expectation. Dismal ses- semifinal advance rate of 0.41%. But Dave, one of these teams squeaked through to the finals. Uh, so there is a 0. 0.12. Uh, actually, it may, it may be more than that. I actually need to do the math and check. It may be a couple teams that slipped through 0. 0.12 times 856 point actually no it's 0.12 percent so i got to do 0.0012 times 856 oh it is just one team one team snuck through to the finals um and we saw zero teams in the uh three tight end to uh in the draft construction make it through so yeah pretty interesting i think we're we're heating up now unfortunately i think we're gonna have a really tough one here to end the episode dave i'm curious to see how this one goes okay Definitely letting you answer first. <laughs> would, you rather, would you rather start one uh, or draft just one running back in the first 10 rounds, okay? Mm-hmm. So this could be a zero RB team or it could be a hero RB team. We're not going to put a round uh, constraint yep. on the running back. Yep. We're just going to say that one running back by round 10. Or would you just rather have one wide receiver in the first six rounds? um i would so you can so it's either zero rb slash hero rb or anchor wide receiver or zero wide receiver you know where that's where we're we're digging in here it's gonna be pretty interesting
2: so i go zero wide receivers in the first six picks or i go zero running backs in the first 10
1: uh no you're doing one wide receiver in the first six rounds Okay. So we're not putting a round constraint on it. Your wide receiver could be in the first round, but then you're yeah, not yeah. taking another one until round
2: seven. Okay. So
1: one wide receiver in the first six yep. or one running back in the first ten.
2: Mm, okay. Yep, I got my head around that now. Um, I think I'd rather... Uh,
1: it's tough, man. It's it is tough, tough. I'll, I'll answer first on this one. Uh, no, I think Are I got gonna, my
2: answer. I got my answer. Okay. I'm okay. gonna go say ahead. I'd rather I'm gonna go with the with the wide receiver side. One ride, one wide receiver in the first six rounds.
1: Yeah. It's where it gets tricky is because we're talking underdog and it's half PPR. I I do think that there's a chance that this one edges out. Um we 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 were very strategic with going with the sixth round and the 10 round here yep man if i think about a one running back in the first 10 round start where i went hero running back as long as i nailed that hero running back you know some of those you're gonna have some pretty electric i'm wondering if that construction will have a worse playoff rate but a better finals rate
2: it's that's definitely possible yeah Um, i know what you mean
1: and i'm actually going to i'm going to go that specific i'm going to really put myself out there i'm going to say that the one wide receiver in the first 6 rounds is going to have a better playoff advance rate yep. but the one running back in the first 10 rounds is going to have a better finals ad- advance rate that actually so sounds I'm gonna, very I'm reasonable answer the question yep let's <laughs> okay and then which which of those two uh constructs do you think was used
2: more i think you're going to see the the wide receiver construction—the one out of six more.
1: Yeah, I do, yeah, I do agree with you on that one. Um, okay, so let's. Which result do you want to see first?
2: Let's do the wide receiver first. Okay, one wide
1: receiver. So we're going to go. Uh, your one wide receiver
2: before. Yep. Round seven. This is where I definitely need to get some type of uh, sound effect here that we can play. Okay, so, man,
1: yeah, this is pretty interesting. It's just tons and tons and tons of teams drafted this way, Dave. Yep. Um, probably, going, I mean, hundreds of thousands of teams have been drafted this way. Yep. And the results have not been good. Um, I'm actually going to have to flip over to a second page to see what those are. Uh, okay, so we have an at expectation playoff advance rate for these squads of 16.7%. We have an under-expectation 1.72 semifinals advance rate and then a 0.1% finals advance rate, which is also at expectation. So you aren't getting any edge on the field here uh, when you draft a team that has just one wide receiver in the first six rounds. But if you are going to do this, where you could get a little edge on the field, is you want to get either eight or nine wide receivers. You don't want to get so crazy and, yep. and over, um, I guess overcompensate by going to a 10, 11, or 12 wide receiver construct. But we just get a little bit of light green in our matrix here at eight or nine wide receiver constructions when you start this way. Um, we can actually find a 17.2% playoff advance rate at the eight wide receiver model there and uh, above expectation 012 percent finals advance rate in best ball mania uh over the past couple of seasons so okay so so nothing really too crazy to write home about and as you would expect if you went really low number of wide receivers you know three four five which we saw i mean those were atrocious results so okay dave hundreds of thousands of teams drafted this way and at expectation on playoffs and finals you got to remember these numbers for me 16.7 percent playoff advance rate 0.1% Zero point one percent finals advance rate. So I I, got I am it. calling that this next construct, the one running back in the first ten rounds, is going to have a worse than sixteen point seven percent playoff advance rate, but a better than a zero point one percent finals advance rate. So let's let's right, see, let's how see. We go here. RB one before round
2: ten. Wouldn't it be RB two after? Yes. round 10. Oh
1: yes, 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 RB2 after round 10. You're correct. Yep. And we nailed it. We actually nailed that. Yep. Um so we yes, we have 14.1% of these teams making the playoffs and then 0.15% of these teams making the finals. So I mean that, you know, if you hit on the hero yep. RB there or if you if you do nail a lot of your zero RB candidates, then you know you're good to go I mean, because some of these teams could have been waiting until around 10 for rb1 um but you know as dave mentioned you're not getting your rb2 till after round 11. so we actually see red all the way down that first column in the playoff advance rate column but of those teams that did get into the playoffs we saw above expectation performance in semifinals and finals rounds um in the five six seven and eight running back uh constructions there so this is the type of team that has, you know, really elite upside if they can get into um, the finals. So, Dave, yep. we're showing a little bit of our uh, roster uh, construction strategy chops by correctly <laughs> threading the needle on on the results for this one.
2: Sure. And, and there's the caveat that we have to make here, too, which we've said a number of times. I'm going to make it again. When you listen to us talking about these results coming out of the roster construction explorer in some of these ways that we're talking about them there's a ton of teams going into these and you also then need to do the next level of analysis of looking at those teams for example when we said that only took three or four wide receivers we weren't looking at when they took those all of those sure. wide receivers so you know you got to be careful about taking that and running with it which is why we say you gotta go onto the site and play with it too and drill down before you start applying things unless we've specifically spelled it out. But some of these other pieces of information, you need to make sure that you're getting the full context, which is why this tool is so useful. And it makes it very easy once you're in there to drill down Uh, on. Clearly, we've spent a ton of time in it, time in it, which is why we're able to, you know, intuitively um, have a take on some of these things.
1: Yeah, this was this was pretty fun, man. I mean, you can kind of get just lost in this tool. Um, We may have to do like a live stream where we just do Q and a challenges um, from yes. some viewers or something at some point, this is like bar bet type of stuff. I mean, you could do this all day long. So uh, if, if you like this type of discussion, if you like this type of research, even if it's, you know, for fun versus actual strategy of a draft you're doing, you can check out our best ball roster construction tools for underdog fantasy and FFPC.com at rotoviz.com. Uh, you, I mean, you got to check it out. It's time to get your subs in order for the 2023 NFL season, you want to crush it in fantasy. You want to crush it with us. We're going to teach you how to engineer a draft, even agnostic of specific players, that is going to put you in position to win money and win it regularly. Check us out at rotaviz.com. We'll be back more later this week with more great strategic fantasy football discussion.